You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1148 of the Lockdown Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you on a Friday evening into Saturday. And Happy New Year to everyone listening to the podcast today. Also, today's episode is brought to you by PrizePix. Check out prizepix.com. Use the promo code NBA. PrizePix is daily fantasy made easy. Today's show, we'll get into a 121 to 118 win for the Hawks on the road in Cleveland. A nice way to end 2021 and start the new year off in a positive way for Atlanta. I'll be joined momentarily by Wes Morton of Peachtree Hoops. Wes is a friend of the podcast, been on the show before, and he's always uh, a fantastic resource for Hawks observations. Before we get to Wes, though, some observations that I had from this one, as well as some quick sort of rundown of what transpired in this game. Um, essentially, this was a back and forth game in a lot of the ways, but the Hawks started out very slowly. Trailed by 16 points in the first half, had a huge run in the third quarter, and then kind of just kind of, uh, I would say, persevered on the stretch, uh, outplaying the Cavs in the second half pretty soundly. Trey Young with a huge second half, etc. So, um, context wise, in this game for the Hawks, it's more of the same in a lot of ways. A lot of guys in the protocols, a lot of guys out for the Hawks with injury. Long story short, the Hawks are still missing 14 players on the roster, and 12 of those guys were, were in the protocols by the time this game started. Between the last game on Wednesday and tonight, Lou Williams came out of the protocols. Malcolm Hill went into the protocols, so it was a one-for-one swap there. No word on the other guys, and honestly, my policy right now, people kind of ask me this, I, I'm not going to comment or speculate or wonder aloud why guys are not coming out of the, uh, of the protocols faster. COVID is a serious issue, and I know that it doesn't always affect everyone the same, but uh, I'm not going to be uh, too, too worried about on the calendar of guys coming in, coming in and coming out when they're ready to play, they're ready to play. And, uh, you know, Clay Capella, as we, as we talked about on Wednesday, has some effects still. And actually, thought, I thought he played well in this game. But um, generally, we're kind of just going to roll the punches and what the Hawks tell us and what guys are going to be back, they'll be back. But um, all that said, the Hawks were shorthanded uh, in a big way in this game. Cleveland was as well, not near as much as the Hawks. That's worth pointing out. But the Cavs are without basically the entire backcourt right now. Darius Garland's in the protocols. Ricky Rubio went down for the season earlier this week. Colin Sexton's already out for the season, um, and they brought in a couple guys to help them. Um, actually traded for Rajon Rondo, but uh, Brandon Goodwin, old friend, actually got some playing time for the Caps in this game, but also a back-to-back with travel for Cleveland, so a slight advantage for the Hawks there, and that kind of explained why the Hawks were only two-point underdogs, according to BetOnline.ag, our sponsor on the podcast. People were kind of asking me, like, why are the Hawks only two-point underdogs? And it's because, well, all those things, you know, Cleveland's front court was healthy, uh, but back-to-back travel, no guards, etc. It was a home game for Cleveland, of course, which kind of uh, offsets that, so Almost a coin flip. The Hawks were slight underdogs in this game, but alas. We'll dive in now quickly to what transpired throughout this contest. And the first half, it was a slow start, let's just say. The Cavs were red hot. They shot 78% from the floor in the first quarter. They had 20 points in the paint in the first quarter. There was an 11-1 run. Sorry, 11-0 run by the Cavs early to go up by 8 points. And a 12, that was actually part of a 20-5 overall push by Cleveland to go... Uh, up a lot, let's just say. They were up by 12 in the first quarter. Uh, Lou Williams struggled in, this, in his first stint back. He was better in the second half, for sure. Um, Skylar Mays was hot in the first half, which definitely helped. And honestly, uh, without Skylar Mays in this game, the Hawks would have probably been down by 25 in the first half. That's how good he was before halftime. That was a huge thing. Um, you know, Trey got a little bit uh, going after missing his first six shots of the night. They trailed by 15 points at the break because Cleveland was just unconscious. They shot 70, 70% from the floor for the entire half, more than 1.3 points per possession in the first half for Cleveland. Um, honestly, the Hawks still managed to be respectable on offense, 
despite 35% shooting from the floor because they were 40% from three before halftime and only one turnover in the entire game. And by the way, the Hawks had two turnovers in this game. That is a season low by five. They had seven was their previous season low. Two turnovers in the entire NBA game is just wild. That never happens. And uh, credit to the Hawks for taking care of the ball throughout the night. But they, they definitely struggled inside the inside three-point line in the first half, shooting 32% on twos before halftime. Uh, after the half, the Hawks got it going right away. A 17-6 run by Atlanta to go from down by 15 to down by 4 in about 3 minutes. It was Skylar Mays and Wes Awundu leading that charge. Skylar had 6 points. Awundu had 5. Uh, Mays, by the way, had 19 points in his first 17 minutes on the floor. He was awesome in this game. Um, the Cavs did kind of stabilize a little bit from there, but the Hawks rolled off an 11-0 run later on to go actually take the lead after they had trailed by, you know, basically for two full quarters almost. The Hawks pushed ahead. Um, Trey scored seven points in a row during that push by Atlanta. And uh, as I said before, they scored 34 points in the first nine minutes of the third quarter, which is just uh, wild. And honestly, in addition to the offense and Trey Young was awesome in the second half, etc., I want to point this out. Clint Capella was dominant in the third quarter, the third quarter in particular, but the second half entirely, I thought Capella was really, really, really good. He had eight points, nine rebounds, and a couple of blocks in the third quarter alone, flying around and giving energy, effort plays. Um, you know, as, as I said before, he kind of alluded on Wednesday to the fact that he's still uh, kind of recovering from COVID and shortness of breath and all that stuff, but uh, hopefully more, of, more signs of what's to come from Capella, who was, again, awesome in the second half of this game. Um, Trey was not good in the first half by his standards, but actually had 12 points and seven assists in the third quarter alone, ended up with 25 in the second half. Um, and by the way, he scored 25 points or more in 15 straight games. That's second, that's second all time in Hawks history in terms of uh, a streak like that, only behind Dominique. So uh, he's been obviously awesome for a long time. Um, they played Trey and Capella the entire third quarter, which taxed them a little bit, but they kind of had to push hard, honestly. And the Hawks did shoot very, very well. He scored 40 points in the third period. And uh, again, one turnover total at the end of the third quarter and the possession battle, which is so far in the Hawks' favor that it was able to kind of buoy them a little bit. Um, in the closing period, the Hawks definitely tried hard to win this one, which is kind of self-explanatory, but Nate McMillan, I thought, pretty clearly wanted to get this one like and coached as much. They actually sat Trey Young and Click Capella for only about two and a half, three minutes maybe in the second half. They both Those guys played a lot of minutes after halftime. Uh, I thought Lou struggled in the first half, but had a better fourth quarter, had a nice uh, sort of vintage stretch when he had two foul-drawing players in a row. Hector scored five points in about a minute all at the free-throw line. Um, Sean D. Brown had a couple of huge shots off the bench for the Hawks in his 10-day roll, and the Hawks led by eight points with seven minutes to go. At that point, it was 54-31 in the second half, which is basically uh, the story of the night. They struggled in the first half and then had that huge run for about you know a quarter and a half at the outset. They traded baskets, basically, for like three consecutive minutes, but that was good for the Hawks because they were already up by eight points. So they were still up by seven with about 345 to go. I was not surprised, but I was flummoxed by the lack of Skylar Mays down the stretch. They went with Lou Williams, which I guess I understand because Lou was kind of organizing offensively. And uh, I will give some credit to Glenn Willis, Peter Gibbs, for pointing this out to me and others on Twitter. But the Hawks were going so defense heavy with Wes Awundu and um, also uh, <laughs> uh, you know Cam Oliver in the front court at that point in time so they maybe wanted just some more offense and Lou you know obviously is an offense first player I still would have gone with Mays who I thought was awesome in this game but at least that's worth pointing out for some context at any rate Trey hit a huge three to go by eight with like two minutes to go and I thought that was going to be the dagger honestly but then Cleveland to their credit got off on that and scored five points in a row making things very interesting again for the Hawks up by three about a minute about a minute left Oliver then missed a contested layup 
at the rim that would have given the Hawks a five-point lead. Um, fortunately, Kevin Love missed a three on the other end of the floor that was a makeable shot that would have tied it. Um, then Trey missed a floater late in the shot clock. He might have got fouled on that play, honestly, but it was not called, and that gave the Cavs a chance to uh, tie or at least uh, at least attempt to tie. Um, they tried to push it down the floor, and then Wes Wundu with a nice play knocked it out of bounds, and Cleveland called timeout. And from there, they actually got a quick two. It was a very fast quick two, but generally speaking, the quick two is not a great analytical play. Down by three, because a lot has to go right in your favor. It lengthens the game, but not the greatest thing in the world. But So I think if you're the Hawks, you're okay with that. Um, they fouled Trey, who made both, and that left the Hawks up by three with about ten, uh, eight seconds left, nine seconds left, something like that. Um, and then, um, unfortunately, they give, a, they give a, a very, very decent look to Kevin Pangos, who... All, once upon a time, played for the Hawks in Summer League. Um, a good shooter. He was obviously not someone you would say would be a starting point guard in the NBA right now, but because of the Cavs' situation, he played a lot for Cleveland in this game. But honestly, they should have fouled him. Um, up three, I'm a fan of fouling, especially when it comes with uh, that versus Kevin Pangos having a pretty good look at a tie from three. Um, I thought it was going to go in, honestly. Uh, even on the rewatch, it was probably going to fall. But uh, it didn't go in, and the Hawks were able to escape with that three-point win on the road. So, uh, we can get to lots of stuff, which we'll do definitely with Wes, but uh, broadly speaking as well, I want to put out a couple of highlights here. The Hawks had two turnovers in the game. Again, two turnovers in the game, and that prompted them to have a 130 offensive rating. They also shot the ball awesome as well. They had 70 points after halftime. Um, Trey had 25 after halftime as well. But honestly, the possession battle was one of the big reasons why the, why the Hawks won this game. They took 13 more shots than the Cavs did because of the turnovers or the lack thereof, and then also at the free throw line, offensive rebounds, etc. Um, they actually took fewer free throws than the Cavs did, but they made more because of the accuracy, uh, I would say, dichotomy there. So the Hawks just kind of won on the margins in this game. They made a lot of shots in the second half, for sure, especially Trey Young was awesome. But um, we'll get into some of this later on. But it's just the fact that um, ball security is huge and also offensive rebounding. That, that, that combination... When you take 13 more shots than your opponent, you're probably going to win. That's just basically what's going to happen, and that was the case in this game. All right, that's all I have in terms of the solo rundown portion of the podcast. Before we get to Wes, who's coming up momentarily, a word from our sponsors on the show today, and the first of which is Prize Picks. Attention, NBA fanatics, I have to tell you about Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love it, and I know that you will too. Prize Picks is the best NBA DFS prop game on the market, and it offers more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator and offers all the superstar players as well as all the bench players, that only, even if they only record a handful of minutes each and every game. Prize Picks offers any prop that you can think of. In football, it's yardage to touchdowns, even interceptions thrown. In basketball, it's points, it's assists, it's rebounds, and much, much more. And every user that deposits and uses the promo code that we have here will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. And that promo code is NBA. One more time, that promo code is NBA. You pick two to five players and an overrunner on their projections, you can win up to 10 times on any entry. It's just you against the projected numbers. Prize picks allows mid mixed sports entries. You can take the over on LeBron combined with the under on Mahomes in the same entry, and that goes for Trey Young as well. Use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Entries can be made 60 seconds or less. It's just that easy. Yes, you can do all of this in under 60 seconds. PrizePix is safe and offers fast withdrawals. Don't hesitate. Check out prizepix.com and use the promo code NBA or go to the App Store right now and download the app today. PrizePix is daily fantasy made easy. I am joined now by friend of the podcast, Hawks Observer, and uh, overall legend, Wes Morton. Hello, sir. How are you? Uh, legend. That's... Uh... High, high praise. I appreciate it. Uh, I'm doing pretty good, though. Yeah, I appreciate you bailing me out. I, I tweeted, I think, during the game tonight that uh, I was being bailed out by a guest. And I never want to put the guest out into, unless something that, that way, unless something happens, I can uh, 
give some cover, but uh, I do appreciate you coming on. This is, this is a planned visit from Wes. And uh, listen, I, I got to watch more of Hawks Cavs tonight intently than I probably wanted to, to be honest, because of the way that the football game went for me. But um, it was a nice win for the Hawks. I mean, I, I sort of gave the rundown before I brought you in, but I guess I'll open it up this way. Uh, what, what was your overall sort of impression slash takeaway from the final game of the 2021 calendar year? I mean, a big takeaway, I think, is, you know, the, the Hawks, obviously, uh, it's, you know, I can kind of, you know, recap what's happened in the past few weeks, but they're, they're down to so many of their projected rotation players, the guys on the full roster, they, they filled in with so many of these hardship 10 day contracts that you're just, you know, the Atlanta's in at the moment, maybe the worst position of all the NBA teams, as far as their, the guys in their, the health and safety protocol. So um, on some level, any win is any win is just icing on the cake. Like the fact that they've been forced to rely on all these new players, players that weren't in training camp players that just essentially signed off the street is, you know, it's pretty clear. So they, the guys that they had, you know, Trey Young, Clint Bella were both big. Um, the, I mean, I think the biggest takeaway from this game was Cam Reddish went down with an injury in the second quarter. Um, they were down by, I think, as many as 15, maybe a little bit more at some point. And it could have been just uh, just another game. They're, they're really undermanned. But, you know, they kept fighting in the third quarter. They rolled back. They played a lot better defense than they had in the first half. Um, down the stretch in the fourth quarter, they hit some big shots, got got some stops, and just, just got enough to get out with the win. Yeah, I mean, I uh, didn't mention Cam's injury before I brought you in just because I figured we would talk about it at some level here. And, yeah, he played 10 minutes. And given that the Hawks came into this game with five guys from the roster um, before the, all the hardships guys, you know, losing one of those guys in the first half is particularly – damning uh and you know they were struggling as you referenced they were down 16 at one point in the first half and to come back with you know basically the entire crunch time they played both Wes Wundu and Cam Oliver like in a game that they won on the road and against a pretty good team in Cleveland so like that that alone kind of tells kind of tells the story and like I think most of it was that Trey was off in the second half Capella who I want to ask you about was off in the second half I thought but um they still had to play essentially at least two guys who were not on their roster um, two weeks ago in crunch time of this game. And that's kind of says it all. I and mean, that kind of tells you why they were four and 10 in the last 14 coming in, you know, they, they were struggling a little bit before all this stuff happened, but at the same time, it's been exacerbated. I think what you said a second ago was prescient. Like a lot of teams have massive roster challenges right now. It's not only the Hawks. I've been trying to stress that to people that only watch the Hawks. So we supposed to watch the Hawks. It's not only the Hawks, but I think it's probably fair to say the Hawks have had it worse than any other team the last week, week and a half, um, and to, you know, kind of steal one here. And Cleveland was without their guards, too. Like, Kevin Pangos is playing crunch time for the Cavs. So it wasn't like they beat the uh, the 100% full-strength Cavs, but Cleveland had a more full roster in this game, and the Hawks still went on the road and won. And uh, given that they were down early on, like, it was – I don't want to overstate it and go crazy, but to get that one in the middle of this long road trip is, uh, is honestly really nice. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they had – you know, it, things have been look pretty bleak. Like you said, they lost four, uh, 10 of the last 14. So they just they just got to tread water. They got to find a way to get a couple wins here and there, tread water. Like, I, I imagine the situation won't continue through the second half of the season. But you would hope. Yeah. yeah I mean, <laughs> it, honestly, you never know with, with the virus. But, never, but, uh, but I mean, you know, they, they just got to tread water, get a few wins here and there, try to get some, some of their guys back. I mean, I think, obviously – 
to compound the problem would be some of the non health and safety issues they've had cam going down uh you know bogey had just came back and then he went to the protocols you know they're missing deandre hunter so they're i mean they're really thin on the wings especially um when cam went down they said they had no wings that that were on the the full-time roster just you know they're relying on a wound and uh sean d brown like you know, these guys can hit some shots here and there, but they're just – there's a reason they they were not in the NBA. Like, um, so I, I think just, <laughs> just being able to – and this kind of gets into the point. I know you're going to talk about Clint Cabela, but, you know, Cabela was huge because they didn't really have any perimeter stoppers. But in the second half, Cabela was – you know, he was getting a lot of um, – a lot of guys coming into the lane. He was trying to, you know – uh, cut them off or, or block shots at the rim. And he's doing a, a great job of that. Ended up with a bunch of defensive and offensive rebounds, like just taking care of the business at the rim. So, you know, they, they just had to adjust, you know, no real wing stoppers. They had to kind of adjust their, you know, what they were doing on defense and on the second half in the fly. Yeah. The wing thing is really, you know, I think it goes without saying that it's, it's been pretty dire than you remove cam in this game, but honestly the Hawks, how can I mention this earlier? <laughs> Nate coached this game really hard in terms of like they tried to win it. Um, and they, you know, you try to win every game, but they pushed minutes a lot in the second half in particular. Um, you know, they played eight guys in the second half. Actually, no, they, I think they played seven guys in the second half. <laughs> now that I'm looking at this, because they started without Cam. Yeah, I think they played seven guys in the second half, which is, you know, that's out of necessity in a lot of ways, but they still had to do that and kind of really pressed hard. And, you know, I think Clint and Trey both played 21 minutes in the second half, something like that, 22 minutes in the second half. So it was, uh, it was hard pressed in a lot of ways. And Wesley Wounded led the team in minutes in this game, which is uh, not a, uh, something you would expect in a road win for the Atlanta Hawks, but it happened. Um, I guess before we get to like, I want to ask you some big picture stuff on Capella. Um, we'll say that. We'll say that in a sec, actually. I wonder what you thought of, um, Skylar Mays in this game because I thought that he was arguably their best player in the first half ended up not playing a ton on the stretch which is maybe another topic but you can add to that if you'd like to like I know there's lots of calls including kind of for me for him to play more um but I thought he was really 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 good in the first half and then kind of disappeared but I think just having that versatility and that guy uh, to kind of plug a lot of holes has helped them kind of stay afloat here yeah for sure I mean he's he's definitely played pretty well the last few games, but especially in this first half today, you know, he was spotting up hitting shots four for five from three. I'm looking at here, 19 points and 11 shots. Um, but I think a big thing was honestly defensively. And I think uh, Glenn, Glenn Willis, also another writer for Petrie Hoops pointed it out, you know, he was a great help defender. He was digging down in the lane, you know, even, even if, you know, when, when guys needed some help, um, cutting off penetration. He, he got a few steals, um, went the other way, um, at least a couple buckets in transition, just getting to the hoop. I think he got an and one as well. So, you know, despite, you know, Skylar Mays, he's, he's six, four, he's kind of a kind of tween it tweener guy. Um, you know, is he a one, is he a two? He can kind of play both positions, although not exactly like elite at either position, but, you know, he's a guy you want on your team, though, as an emergency point guard, a good team defender, um, spot up, hit, hit a bunch of shots. You know, he seemed to have, like, no fear. Like, when he needed to dribble drive, he would do it, too. He, 
he's not a elite athlete or anything like that, but smart enough to know when to, you know, use the up and under, get a, get under the rim, use the rim as protection and get it shot up. Like, I think someone like him, um, as far as him not playing the second half much, I think I, I mentioned it in, in a group chat, it, you know, his ball handling is very valuable, but you would probably take Lou Williams ball handling, even though he's Lou Williams, isn't the, the shot maker he was earlier in his career. You would probably take his ball handling over Skyler down the stretch as far as, you know, being the, the safe, safe uh, option at, at point guard or, or, you know, off, even off guard um, to kind of, to seal the game. They had a, they had a, you know, anywhere between a six and eight point lead down towards about halfway through the fourth quarter. And I think Nate just trusted the kind of veteran leadership of uh, Lou Williams to run, run the show. But I mean, you really can't be disappointed with anything Skyler did. And, you know, the fact that he's, gotten a, a good bit of playing time between the Skyhawks and the Hawks has, you know, helped, helped the Hawks in the last, you know, week and week and a half so far. Yeah, for sure. And I think that um, he's, he's the rare second year guy. That's like almost like a veteran, like he's been around, you know, he played so much in college and he's an older guy and, and by all accounts is ex- extremely smart. And I, could, I think just like kind of plugging him in in a lot of ways um, would be useful and, um, we could argue how much he should play when everybody's back, but I think he's been pretty under, I would say underratedly uh, valuable in the stretch, kind of keeping them afloat. Uh, before we get to some other stuff, uh, Capella, some broad, some broad stuff and uh, observations from this game, a word from our sponsors on the show, and the first of which is Built Bar. It's almost the new year, and that means New Year resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in that plan. Built Bar is a protein bar. It tastes like a candy bar and maybe even better than a candy bar. Built Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolutions because it tastes so good. You'll want to eat it unlike other protein bars that can be chalky or waxy or just not taste fantastic at all. Built Bar is very tasty, and if you want to eat healthy... It just gets so boring sometimes, but about like week three, you might be thinking this is just not worth it. Where's the chocolate? But Built Bar is covered in 100% chocolate. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 17 grams of protein to go along with 4 net carbs. And you compare that to candy bars, honestly, it's not even close. And here's an idea for the new year. Go to all your secret treat stashes at home, in the pantry, at your office, in the car, wherever you might look for that treat. Throw out all the sugary and calorie-filled stuff and replace it with Built Bar. So if you're craving a snack or a treat, you can reach for something that's absolutely healthy and tastes incredible. Even if you're not a huge fan of working out, you can at least something that tastes good and that it's good for you. And that way, when you enjoy a delicious Built Bar, you can almost count it as a workout. And there's so many flavors to choose from. You have coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, and raspberry cookies and cream, my personal favorites, salted caramel, mint brownie, and many more. In fact, Built is always coming out with new limited-time flavors. Check it all out at Built.com often to see what's new. And if you go to Built.com right now, use the promo code LOCKED15, get 15% off your order with, with Built Bar. If you use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com, check it all out today and start the new year right. All right, Wes, um, one follow-up on the maze thing before we get to something else. Are you someone who is uh, on board with Scholar maybe taking some of Lou's minutes or all of Lou's minutes, or are you uh, holding out hope for Lou? Because I will say, I think Lou was pretty good in the second half. I thought he was pretty terrible in the first half, to be honest, but uh, he was better in the second half of this game. And, uh, you know, first game, first game off code, I'm not really worried about that too much, but I think objectively he's struggled this season to put it mildly. So where do you kind of fall on that? Uh, I would say never ending discussion about the backup point guard slash uh, combo guard spot. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would honestly say so. I mean, unfortunately lose a 17 year bet, you know, just, just thinking about what he can give the Hawks. Like I think that ceiling is pretty low. 
just just given that all the minutes he's played in his career. Um, like you said, he was he was attempting a lot of tough shots in the first half, just trying to get some offense going. And sometimes he kind of ball stops a little bit, but second half he he kind of played a lot better within himself. He ended up he I think him getting to the line is big because that's you know he's not he's not in a you know amazingly efficient from the field, but when he gets to the line, obviously he's a great free throw shooter. He's, he's crafty. He's able to, you know, take contact. And then, you know, he's a, you know, 85, 90% guy from the line. So, so that part of his games like doesn't really age, but as far as going forward, I mean, I think Skyler has shown enough where you put up next to a guy who can also handle the ball a little bit, you know, you know, Delon Wright or whoever, you know, occasionally Trey, um, you know, maybe, maybe you don't want to completely rely on him to, to be a point guard, to do all the ball handling, but you put him next to a guy in the backcourt, like, I think he's a pretty natural fit. Like I said, he's a good help defender, good team defender. Um, you know, he'll fight. He's, he's, he's pretty strong for his size. Um, spot up on the offensive end, hit, hit shots, and then, you know, small bar handler. He doesn't t- turn the ball over a lot. So, um, you know, yeah, he, d- he did play – Four years in college is his second year in the pros, but he's still, well, that makes him, what, 24 years of age. You know, I think he's still got some time to still hit an even higher ceiling than he's shown. And well, I think if you're, that, if, you're, if, you're, if you're Nate, then 24 is like, you know, 18, basically, because we, we, yeah, know, we know yeah. Nate feels about veterans. So. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, so you're just <laughs> too young to, you know, you don't have the veteran presence yet at that point. But I mean, I, the Hawks need to find a way to hit another gear. Because obviously they've been kind of stuck in mud all year, and not to say that Skylar Mays is the, you know, the the silver bullet, but I think it, I think we're at the point of the season where you kind of know what the team is, you kind of know what you get going to get out of the players. I don't think Lou has a lot more to to offer in his career. Like he's not going to hit another gear in this season. So I think Skylar's got a little bit higher of a ceiling going forward. He's a stable, you know, very consistent guy. You know, we can get out of him. So. I would like to see if, hypothetically, if we ever somehow get back to normal. I don't know if we ever do. <laughs> but if the Hawks have their full complement of rosters, like I would like to see Skylar Mays with that second unit, like I said, with with Dion Wright. Um, you know, Dion's still still a decent ball handler. His his shooting has dipped this season. But, you know, having him play off a guy like Mays, um, both guys are pretty solid defensively on the perimeter, which is what the Hawks need. I I would like to see those those Lou Williams minutes go go towards Mays. Yeah, I I, I would too. I, I'm kind of skeptical that's going to happen just because of the way that Nate operates. And even in this game, I mean, we saw like Mays played 23 minutes on a night where he was like objectively very very good and didn't play a ton, even with a shorthanded roster. So at the end of the day, I think Nate's just going to default to way defaults to. But um, we'll hold out some hope that he plays more in the future. Um, I do want to ask you about Capella because again, I, I think Capella was you know, notably outstanding in the second half. I don't think he was great in the first half. I think he actually opened. I think he was maybe two of eight from the floor, two of seven from the floor. Like it was a, it was a typical Capella finishing adventure uh, before halftime. But I think uh, we were talking about this thing behind the scenes today. And think you were involved in that conversation as well. The third quarter night might've been his best quarter of the season. Um, like he was really, really good. Um, given the circumstances and everything else thrown in, he was dominant. And then he was good in the fourth quarter as well. I, I'm not surprised to see that. I've never been like an anti-Capella guy, but I think everybody's kind of noticed this, but Hawks fans have started to turn on Capella the last couple of weeks. Um, 
some of that might be fair. He's not been the same guy he was last year, in my opinion. But, you know, coming off of COVID, like talking about how he wasn't, you know, in shape and all that stuff just because he couldn't be. Um, context is always important. But, number one, I, I thought he was great today. But I wonder what, what you thought of him today. And also, like, are you worried about him? Because that's been a discussion point. I know I've seen a lot of in the last couple of weeks. It's like not even just beyond right now, but, you know, the extension and all that stuff. Like, what do you think about Capella right now? Yeah, I mean, uh, he's kind of been left for dead, you know, according to some of the some of the members on <laughs> online, on Twitter, on the blogs. Like, but I mean, I, it, it's it's way too early to to say like, oh well, Capella will never be the player he was last year. I mean, last year was definitely a revelation. He was top six in the defensive player of the year voting, and certainly he's taken a step back defensively on the whole. But I think just he 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 was still working his way back from. You know, he got a he got a an injection for his his lower body, a lower body injury he he was dealing with, and kind of playing his way into shape. And obviously, the circumstances of of uh, all the players being in health and health and safety protocols. Clint Capella himself um, was in the protocols, um, so he's just coming out of that. Like, uh, I think it's it's you know it's it's too much to say that you know that one season last year was a flash in the pan. Like he, he's, he's obviously an excellent defender when he's at his peak, when he's completely healthy. He showed that in the third quarter this year, he, you know, he took on, you know, we're talking Jared, Jared Allen, who's probably going to be an all-star this year. He's playing that well, you know, Evan Mobley's a, you know, fantastic rookie, possibly rookie of the year. Um, you know, occasionally switching on to, you know, Laurie and, Obviously, having to deal with Kevin Love, like, you know, Cavs got a very formidable front court. They were getting to the rim in the first half. I think Capella, Capella came out in the third quarter, and he was shutting off the rim. Uh, ended up with um, looking at four blocks here. Um, so, uh, you know, obviously you want to see the consistency. You want to see the the kind of dominance um, going forward. This, you know, the Hawks were left with no other option. Like, they were playing, you know, Cam Oliver at the five, who's – you know, not not really meant for that role, but just just they had to have have a guy. They end up stretching Capella out for 40 minutes. So um, it's just kind of one of those things where obviously I, I I I I'd still believe in Clint Capella going forward. They signed the extension. You know, he's what 27, 28. It's not like he's over 30 and you know expected to possibly decline. You know, he's still got a lot of years ahead of him. Um, certainly, we want to see some of this game, um, his play game go forward. But, you know, guys who who are, you know, obviously can be dominant on the defensive end, as well as, you know, he was getting out there and running in transition, just like last year, just like the old days, finishing, you know, hustling. He ended up with 23 rebounds. Like, you know, that's – that's hard to replace. And a lot of people have been calling for, you know, Kongwu when it's fully healthy, like somehow start him over, over Capella. But, you know, I think, you know, he was given that extension for a reason. He's, he's the vocal leader on the defense. He's, he's calling out, you know, what, what they're doing on defense. He's calling out what they need to do in transition. Like I think his value once he's kind of worked himself into, you know, the playing shape he was in last year, like, I think it'll be pretty clear. Like, you know, once they get some wing stoppers as well, like uh, he's not. I I, I want to call off the dogs on the Hawks fans. 
on Clint Capella's demise because I think it's a little overblown. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. Like he's again, he's not been as good this year as he was last year. That's subjectively true, but uh, I'm not worried necessarily. Um, just one quick Capella stat from tonight: he had 11 offensive rebounds in the game and 23 rebounds overall. Um, he had more offensive boards than the entire Cavs roster today. Um, he also had half of the offensive rebounds in the entire game for both teams. So uh, that's just one one little stat. He still also was the only player uh, on either team that have had more than 11 rebounds, and he had 23. So four blocks, all that stuff. Like he was just he was awesome in this game, and uh, it was fun to see him kind of turn the clock back a little bit to last year and really turn it on. And honestly, him playing 40 minutes is not a small thing, particularly coming out of the protocol. Um, they don't like to play bigs that much. Um, even Nate is an old school guy. Like it's just hard to have, it's hard to have a big play that much. Um, and he did and he played well. So that was a uh, very, very important. Uh, I do want to ask you like kind of big picture, you know, clearly we, we don't know when the team's going to be at full-ish strength again. Maybe it'll be in the next couple of weeks you know, with the exception of, you know, Hunter's coming back probably in like two weeks, maybe three weeks on, on their tail, on their timeline. Um, but, you know, I guess my broad question, the way to get into it, you can take us wherever you want to, is kind of like how worried are you about the Hawks' start? Because they're 16 and 19, even with this win. Um, and in the standings, they are not where they're supposed to be right now. I mean, and obviously, there is tons of context, and I'm a big context guy. Uh, clearly, the injuries early, COVID recently, schedule stuff, et cetera. But at the moment, as we talk, they're uh, in 12th place in the Eastern Conference, which I don't think anybody thinks that they're actually the 12th best team in the East. Maybe, maybe you do, Wes, you can correct me, but uh, is this hole too big? Like, where do you think it goes from here? Because we, we have to guess a little bit based on availability and stuff, but they kind of have some urgency. You know, Trey even mentioned it, I think it was Wednesday night, that he was like, well, we, we started 14 and 20 last year. And it's like, well, yes, you did, but that's not a good recipe. You don't want to start 14 and 20 every year and have to come back. But uh, that's a long way to way of asking, like, how worried are you about this Hawks season overall, not, not just like recently? Uh, me, I'm not. I'm honestly not that worried at all. They've, they've obviously had to deal with a lot, like we've, like we've said, um, injury wise, um, COVID wise. Like, I'm looking at standings right here. I mean, they're only three games from the top six, a half a game from the play-in spot. Like, yep. I mean, I think I think it's it's pretty clear. Like, they need they need guys like they need Cam, they need Hunter, you know, they need Bogey. Um, you know, Kongwe had just recently come come out of injury, out of an offseason surgery. So they they were never full strength. Not that any team is full strength at a time like this, but they were never. You know, they you know this kind of happened last year where they weren't full strength in the first half and were really at all like ever. Yeah, really. <laughs> I mean, they, they, they got closer in the second half, but yeah, agreed. You know, they you know when when, when you got I mean the the East is pretty muddled. You know, you got a couple of teams at the top. Um. You get the rest, everyone kind of below. So I think the Hawks just obviously they got to get in a postseason position. You know, I'm not going to say that missing the postseason entirely is, you know, definitely a big disappointment. I I don't think that's going to happen. I think they're going to put it together, and you know they they obviously have they still have some good assets as well. Like if they if you get to the trade deadline and things are still kind of shaky, you know they could they could pack, pack they could package for you know, whoever in the trade market. So um, it's definitely not a time to, to say, you know, the, the Hawks are dead in the water. Um, you know, you still got Trey Young, you still got John Collins, who's, I, I think has played at a near all-star level 
Yep. You know, Trey Young has played at an all-star level. Um, you still got Capella who's rounded into form. Like um, they just got to get a lot of their their other players like you know healthy, going out of the protocols. Like uh, I, I wouldn't panic at the moment. Now, if you ask me, maybe. 60 games in where they're looking for the playoffs and they're still below 500. I may have some issue, but um, it's, it's too early. They've dealt with a lot of injuries. They dealt with COVID, like still dealing with COVID. Like uh, I would continue to trek down the path and, you know, keep, keep grinding it out and see, see where you stand at the trade deadline. Yeah. I think we're on the same page there. I mean, looking at the standings quickly um, as we go into 2022 officially, um, like they're behind a few teams that I think they're very clearly better than in my mind, like the Wizards, um, the Knicks, um, the Raptors. I think they're better than all those three, all three of those teams pretty clearly. Uh, the Hornets, I think the Hawks are better than as well. That's four teams right, right, right off the bat. I think they're pretty clearly better than. And you referenced it quickly, but like there are four teams that are in a tier in, ter- in terms of the standings. There are four teams. It's the Bulls, Nets, Bucks, and Heat that are clearly at the top. And the Hawks are only three and a half games behind the Cavs for the five seed. And like the Cavs uh, are a great story this year and are playing extremely well, but like they're not proven by any means and they have some injury challenges, et cetera. So there's not like a huge impediment to the Hawks being the five or six seed if they turn this thing around. Would it be hard to, for them to get in the top four now? Yeah, it would be hard. It's not impossible, but they're six and a half games out. It's, it's, a, it's a long way to make up against good teams, but like, Regardless, if you can get in the playoffs as the five, six, eight of one to play in, you're alive like, like you were last year. So that's kind of the path. Um, looking ahead briefly before I let you get out of here, um, the rest of this road trip, this is, of course, a six-game, 13-day road trip that goes across the uh, end of the year and start of the year. Um, they're not one and one on it, which is obviously not too bad. But the next four games are going to be all on the West Coast against Western Conference teams. They have two days off in between games. They play in, they play in Portland on Monday. They're not coming home in between, so they're just going out to the West Coast now. And also, um, they have 10-day deals expiring for Malcolm Hill and Lance Stevenson, um, as well as Wessel Wundu. All those guys expire between now and Monday. Um, no official word, but there was a report from, uh, I believe it was Scott Agnes out of Indianapolis, that Lance is going to sign with the Pacers. So if that happens, the Hawks will be down a player. Um, they could replace him, et cetera. But there's some roster turmoil, you know, a couple of days off here to maybe get some guys back. But um, what do you think would be like a reasonable – optimistic even like result on this road trip because it's not as bad as the first one was when they had to play Golden State in Utah and uh, in Phoenix but they have to go out out west and they got to play Portland and the LA teams on this stretch and that's not as bad again but it's also not too easy ever to go out there yeah so I mean it's yeah this will be kind of the last like difficult road trip of the year once you go out west like those are tough but um, Portland, Sacramento, and then the both both the LA teams. I mean, Portland has been sagging. Sacramento's, you know, still sagging. Like, yeah. By the way, Port, Port, Portland's defense. Uh, this that's the next game. I'll at least mention this quickly. Portland's defense is like unconscionably bad this season. Which is they're always not great on defense. But I believe, as I'm looking this up now, yeah, they are 29th in defense right now. So that's helpful. Yeah, that's, that's pretty brutal. I mean, uh. You know, that Portland, this may be kind of the year where they kind of blow things up. Um, you know, they, you know, they kind of have just sort of mismatch of players. So um, I believe CJ McCollum has been out. I don't know if he's come back. 
Uh, you can correct me on that. Yeah, he he had the he had the collapse lung, so he has been, right. he's missed some time. But obviously, he's not going to help them on defense. Um, he helps their offense. But yeah, um, so. yeah, that's that's a matchup that uh, I'm not the biggest Portland believer this season. But regardless, you still have to go out there and like, you know, it's a tough trip. That's the good thing about having the two days off now is like maybe you get out there a day early and get sort of acclimated. And you know, clearly the especially the Blazers and Kings games are very winnable. And even the LA teams. I mean, this year they're not the traditional LA teams. Like the Lakers are not playing well, as everyone's discussed. And then the Clippers don't, have, don't even have Paul George right now. Like they're obviously missing their top two players uh, by a wide margin. So um, this trip looks a lot easier than it probably looked a month ago. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You know, obviously a bunch of players, bunch of, bunch of teams are dealing with injuries. I mean, um, obviously it kind of depends how many players clear the protocols between <laughs> yes. now and going forward, but if the Hawks can get, you know, a little bit of help coming out of the protocols, um, we'll see who they sign on some of their hardship contracts. You know, Lance, Lance will be going somewhere else reportedly. Uh, I mean, I, I think it's it's definitely possible they go two and two. You know, it, it's kind of just a toss up on a lot of these games. Like I said, it's just it's so difficult to project. Um, but winning on the road is never easy. You know, they they were able to squeak out a win in Cleveland, but they needed they needed a lot to go right. Tonight, you know, they needed to only have, you know, two two turnovers and things like that, things of that nature. So a franchise oh, record, by the way, franchise right, because, record, two turnovers tonight. You know, so they're going to need a lot to go right. I mean, I, like I said, I think two and two would be you, you take it for sure. You know, one and three would be, you know, it, it may seem disappointing, but that's that's probably fine. Honestly, at this stage, you know, if they're if they're still dealing with a lot of these, you know, uh, COVID and hardship issues. So. Um, I mean, I, I would say two and two, as long as you, you know, as long as you get Trey Young, you always have a chance. Like, for he's sure, gonna, he's gonna get you 30 and 10 every game. Like, um, so I, I would say two and two, and you know, they keep treading water, they get some players back and come home, and maybe they can, you know, after that, they got I'm looking, we got the bat, uh, home and away against Miami, and then a bunch of home games after that, you know, maybe they can start a run going into the, the you know, the all star break and, and all of that. Yeah, I'll be the first to say, like, I'm always someone who on a West Coast trip is going to be like, you know, keeping expectations down. They could get greedy and get three of these and it would not surprise me at all. That's how like favorable the schedule is. You know, it's never easy again to go out there and people always underrate that unless you have done it or talk about that, you know, even, you know, PR guys or, you know, traveling people in the media or whoever, like traveling off the West Coast is just so hard. And like that is. Uh, an underrated part of the schedule always in the NBA. And there's a reason why you hear it from people when they cover the league is like these West coast trips, no matter who you play are always difficult. It just is worth noting that this one is a little bit easier in terms of the opponents, but whoever the Hawks have is probably the dictating factor. Um, like you said, if they have Trey, they have a chance. And I, I totally agree with that. Um, but it would be good to have some of those guys around, you know, I would imagine, um, and this is not me, you know, this is reporting. I'm just kind of guessing. If you do the math, you know, it would kind of surprise me if they didn't get some or maybe most of the guys in the protocols back by the end of the road trip, because it's, it's still two, almost two weeks. But they don't play at home again for another 12 days. That's a long time, <laughs> uh, yeah. given the, the current state of the protocols. And again, we don't, we don't know symptoms and, you know, guys recovering. I'm not trying to speed anybody along, but I think just doing the, the normal deductions, you'll probably get some of these guys back at a bare minimum before the end of the road trip, which would uh, be helpful. Yeah, yeah. Plus, plus the news that uh, I think the NBA they're saying you can cut down your quarantine 
yeah. number of days if, if you're not reporting symptoms. It's and all down that. to it's down to five, and there's a there's a threshold and a cycle. I believe it's called the cycle threshold. And I am uh, you are definitely more of a scientist than I am, Wes. But uh, I uh, I don't know anything about this, and I will try. Uh, to I'm not an epidemiologist, unfortunately. No, you're not. Uh, but you are uh, you're a smarter person than I am generally. But uh, it is what it is. Uh, I, my, my policy again is to not uh, not try to push guys along to be playing when they get cleared, they get cleared, and uh, you got to trust the training staff. We're, we're never going to have all the information, and uh, I can promise you this: the Hawks are never going to just tell you anything. <laughs> they are uh, pretty buttoned up about all that stuff. Um, well, Wes, if you have anything else to add, feel free. But if not, uh, thank you for joining us on the podcast. I sincerely appreciate you bailing me out and also agreeing to record this. It's almost midnight on New Year's Eve, so uh, Godspeed to you, and I really appreciate you uh, coming up. Yeah, thanks. And uh, there's been fireworks outside my, my uh, window. I, 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 had a, I had a car alarm too. I'm recording in circumstances. Well, listen, okay. people people get what they get, man. This is a uh, this is a hardship podcast for the hardship hawks. Hardship part. Yeah, we get the hardship hawks and the hardship bloggers. We're we're trying our best. Um, hey, uh, where people can find? Where, sorry, where can people find you on on Twitter and other places? I know we talked about Peachtree Hoops this before, but and that's always a great place to uh, read you. But uh, you're on Twitter as well. Yeah, um, my handle has changed since the last time I've been on Lockdown Hawks. Um, you can find me on Twitter at BlogHawk, B-L-O-G-H-A-W-K. Um, and again, I, I write for Peachtree Hoops, so you can find me there. And um, I've also got a, a personal account that's that's in the my bio on, on the BlogCon account. So yeah, follow if, if you can. Follow. I treat the Hawks pretty much every night. Every night they're playing and, you know, just try to, you know, Atlanta sports is is uh, a dark dark place, so I try to keep it humorous. <laughs> well, listen, uh, you I are uh, you're, it yeah. You're you're a tech grad, so you probably weren't thrilled about Georgia winning. But I know a lot of Hawks fans are Georgia fans, so they're probably thrilled. They're probably thrilled. Yeah, yeah. This is uh, an interesting day where you got Georgia going to the championship again, and um, unfortunately, I, I will not be rooting for them. I, I hate to disappoint the, the Georgia <laughs> fans out there, but that's just. I it's think uh, I think tech no, fans are. Uh, it would be it, it would be weird if you were as a tech as, as a tech graduate. So, I understand. Um, no, I, but again, man, I really appreciate you coming on. I, I would tell everybody to please follow Wes's work, uh, not only in written form but on Twitter. And uh, I, you know, it, it, it's a it's a high bar to clear for me to uh, blindly trust your opinions, and that you've reached that you've reached that uh, that area, Wes. So thank you. I appreciate all of your help and uh, coming on. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on your your podcast. Not a problem. As for everybody else, uh, again, Happy New Year. Uh, please subscribe to the show um, via the platform of your choice, whether it be Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Leave five-star ratings on all those platforms as well. Follow Wes. Follow me if you'd like to at BT Roll and follow the show at Locked on Hawks. And we'll see you again in 2022.